everyone. Welcome back to the Reaching the Summit podcast. And we finally have some basketball games to talk about. Our first week of the college basketball season under our belts. And, and so a lot to talk about on the podcast today. But I'll start with introductions. I'm Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod, And I'm joined by... Zach Dosh. You can find me at Zachary Dosh. I'm Greg Steeman. You can find me at Greg Steeman. And as you guys listen to the podcast, if you could... Uh, like, especially on Apple Podcasts, but on Spotify and all those places, uh, rate that helps other people find us. So, uh, yep, subscribing is well. very important too. Yeah. Yep. In the algorithms. Yep. Yeah, we we try to use Twitter's kind of our main vehicle to to get the news out, but I I think I know I've Googled or tried to find podcasts just by on the search engines, and so the more uh, subscribers and the more. Uh, ratings the better so gentlemen I, I wanted to jump into our first week of action so just kind of go to, we're going to try to go team by team spend a few minutes on each team and uh just go through what we saw in the first week of action it's it's of course a small sample size it'll change as as the season goes on uh but to jump in i kind of wanted to jump into maybe a surprise team and I think the team with the biggest win in the first week, the win over Nebraska on the road, Western Illinois. What, what did you guys think in their first week? Well, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's the probably premier win. You know, it's kind of one of those deals where I think in years past, the Summit League has had a lot of close calls, but they haven't had a whole lot of these wins. And so, I mean, say what you want about Nebraska basketball, but it's a win over a par five school, which is very important not only for Western Illinois, but the entire conference, just in terms of, continuing to raise the perception of the conference, they played really well and they played solid. They looked like they were much further along in terms of uh, establishing an identity than most teams are actually. And it's, it's interesting. Obviously they bring back a number of players that contributed for them last year, but two of their better players are, are two of their new contributors. Yep. So I, I think they won like, uh, like five of their last seven games last year. And then they bring in two guys that are probably two of their better players. So you know, the math is adding up there. Um, they, you know, obviously take down Nebraska and, and we'll see where they go from there. But no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I'm trying to consider where I put them in the power rankings, but they, they've been about as impressive as anybody off the start here. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And and, and, and anytime you go on the road and beat a Big Ten team at their place, I don't care um, uh, what the what the, you know, logistics are. I, I just think that's an impressive win. And uh, again, Credit to Coach Jeter for not only um, uh, taking the talent that he had, but then adding to it and finding a way to, to put that into into play, especially in the on the road in Lincoln. So that's a quality win without question. And I don't know that, that West Illinois hasn't, hasn't pushed themselves up into the top four or three in the league as far as you know, kind of a preseason expectation. So uh, great win. Um, anytime that. I, I look at it. I, I'm, I so much look at it. I probably overthink it, but I'm just going, what, what can the summit league do to become a multi-bid league? Right. And those types of wins are the things that this league needs to do. Um, not just once, but, but multiple times throughout the preseason. Well, and those types of wins from a team considered middle of the, the pack in the mm-hmm. summit. I, I really just like what coach Jeter did. The, the players he brought in, help on the defensive end. And that's what Western Illinois struggled with last year. They, they could score, uh, but they, a guy that you maybe won't notice in the stats as much, George Dixon, who came from Eastern Illinois, he's six foot four plays like he's about six, nine. So he's down low. He's a guard that will back people down, score down low, rebound the ball. I think he averaged over seven rebounds in the two games that they played. Uh, and just will, Defend, defend people and 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 do that on, on a regular basis. I think Coach Jeter did a good job of bringing in players that fit what they didn't have as much of last year. Trent Massner, who was their leading scorer through two games, also can handle the ball a little bit. So Colton Sandage doesn't have to take that on all the time by himself. He's kind of an in-between guard. So I, I just was really impressed. It wasn't just, here's these names in the portal – Let's bring in some guys from other teams that it, it was really looking at what they lacked last year and bringing in players that fit that. Todd, that's yeah, a great I mean, point. I, yeah. I'll, I'll just ahead. jump in quick, uh, Zach. I, you know, when you talk about Dixon, a multidimensional player, those are the guys that 
that can really elevate a team in the Summit League. The multidimensional players can guard multiple positions, can be matchup nightmares, so to speak. You think back to guys, and Zach, you remember this guy, a John Conchar, things like that. Mm-hmm. People who are just um, uh, nightmares to game plan for. And it seems like uh, Coach Jeter's finding a way to bring some guys like that into the league. Yeah, I mean, as these games are going on, I'm trying to envision, like, okay, how are they going to guard NDSU? How are they going to guard SDSU? And I think, you know, now that they have these two big guys going here, I mean, they probably stand about as good a chance as anybody of matching up with, say, an NDSU. And so it's one of the top teams in the conference, and that's their strengths. And then they have these guys in the backcourt, and they, they, they certainly have a couple of guys that they could throw at you know, say a Noah Friedel or a Max Aismas, things like that. And so they may be kind of uniquely positioned to pull an upset compared to really any other team out there. So really love what they're doing. I mean, just can't say enough good things about what they have going on. Yeah, and it's it's fun to see their 6'10", 240-pound transfer hitting the game-winning three against Nebraska. So <laughs> yeah. obviously does does a multi-dimensional player there too. So it, it – you know, I still think they're, and Zach, you alluded to this, they're fourth, fifth, somewhere in there in, in my power rankings. But definitely, maybe the divide isn't quite as big from the top three as it looked at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, they've been, you know, if, if you're talking about power rankings only based off of what they've done this year, I mean, we'd have to say, I personally, I'd have to say they're at least third. Right. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, I wanted to move on to a, a, a team that, Greg, you saw in person. North Dakota State won big against Concordia, a non-D1 opponent, and then kind of had to scrap for a victory against um, Cal Poly, but that was without Sam Griesel, who who kind of suddenly wasn't able to be at the game due to a medical procedure. What did, what did you see early on with North Dakota State? Well, it, it, it was tough just because they played Concordia, who's a Division Three, you know, local opponent in, in the Fargo-Moorhead area, uh, which I give Dave Richmond credit for, for scheduling them, allowing them and their families and, and, and everybody to come in and watch and play. So it was, it was really not a, a great indicator of where North Dakota State's at. But you saw some of the individual performances, the Grant Nelsons, the Rocky Cruisers, the guys that people expected to be impactful players for North Dakota State. Um, and, and I guess I just noticed, I think it was towards the end of the first half, Sam Griesel went out. And, and I didn't know. This is strictly only my perspective. I thought he may, might have taken a shot to the throat, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden we find out that he has an, uh, um, I don't know if I want to call it an emergency or an unforeseen surgery on the road. You know, when they go out to the, the, the California, Cal Poly trip where they're still, they still have yet to play UNLV in Arizona. Um, I, I would guess the fact that he had any type of surgery whatsoever, no matter how major or minor, he's probably not going to play in the next two games. I think they probably missed him against Cal Poly, but they found a way to grind that one out and get a road win. And uh, Dave Richmond will find a way to maximize, you know, the, the, the couple of days in between uh, those games and the one tomorrow night against UNLB. So I, uh, or Monday night against UNLB. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I, I still think they're a dynamic team. Their their length and their versatility is uh, impressive. Tyree Eady did not play until Cal Poly. Right. Uh, that was just a, a minor disciplinary situation where Tyree Eady and, and the team will be better because of it. And so I'm glad that he's back as long as Griesel's not going to be available. But it certainly takes away from, from what they're potentially capable of doing. So I would love to see them get a split, you know, if they can at UNLV in Arizona. We'll see what happens. You know, when we talk about quality wins for the league, there's two great opportunities in front of NDSU right now. And even with a, a guy the caliber of Griesel, a first-team all-summit league guy, if he's not available, I still think they have the depth and the talent to really push, you know, one, of one, if not both of these two teams on the road. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But going back to the performance, Grant Nelson had a couple of highlight plays where you just shake your head at the upside of what this kid is capable of doing and, and what he's capable of becoming. And Rocky Cruiser, in his fifth year as a North Dakota State Bison, continues to find ways to get better and find ways to impress. 
I, uh, I mean, this is just a tremendous opportunity for NDSU in these next two games. I mean, to play these level of opponents without, you know, one of their leaders is just a really golden opportunity for everybody else in that roster that doesn't feel like they're getting enough playing time to prove that they should be getting more. You know, I, I got to be honest, I was a little disappointed in their performance um, at Cal Poly just because, uh, you know, there's uh, talented guys on the bench and, you know, I didn't get a chance to see the full game. So this is, this is somewhat anecdotal. I was able to watch bits and pieces of it, but um, you know, I know they're still looking for a little bit more of a shot creator. I mean, what do you think, Greg? I mean, is that, you know, cause yeah. they, they run just really solid offense, but a guy that could come in, I mean, Vinny, like a Vinny Shahid type where they could kind of get his own shot, maybe draw the defense, find the open guy, you know, just a little bit more of a creator off the bench. What do you think? Do you think that's kind of what they're missing? Yeah, that's a good, good, very good point, Zach. I think Desmond McKinney is a guy that comes back from last year and, and is somebody that, that can potentially do that. I sit here and think, you know, um, this might be an opportunity for someone like Andrew Coleman, the transfer, to say, all right, I need to I need to get rid of my inhibitions here and, and, and this team needs me to step up because of the, the, the vacuum that's been created by maybe Greasel not being available for a while. Coleman is a multidimensional player, a guy that can knock down shots, but he's so smart. He has so many games under his belt. I think he can also find a way to create for his teammates. So great point, Zach. I think they need that. They need some uh, guys that are on the floor making everybody else a little bit better, which is what Griesel did a great job of last year. So going to be interesting to see how Dave Richmond handles this over the the next couple of games. I mean, these are great opportunities, but they're back-to-back. Um, I would not want to be in the situation, but it is what it is, where they're literally going to play UNLV, and then the next, they're going to stay in Vegas that night and bus all the way to Tucson the next day. And I asked Dave in person, I said, are you going to have a sleeper bus? You know, he said, no, I hate those because they're going <laughs> to lay around all day. So they're going to be on a normal, normal charter bus from Vegas to Tucson and then get out and find a way to go get after it and and we all know Dave Richmond is going to tell those guys, you have no excuse. Don't you dare for one second make any excuse or, or anything along those lines. They're going to get out and get after uh, uh, the Wildcats the next night. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the next two evenings. That's got to be, what, like a four- or five-hour bus trip? Uh, at least, I'm thinking. At least, at least yeah. yeah. That's probably closer to five, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. That's I wouldn't have suspected that they'd be bussing, um, you know, like the day of the game, but um, I guess high school kids do it all the time. So why not college kids? But um, yeah, no, I mean, just nothing but opportunity here, you know, in any setback, you got to look at the silver lining or what you can take from in here. It's the ability to further develop their backcourt, which honestly getting that backcourt sorted out was probably the biggest question that I had uh, for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, which is just relatively speaking, because obviously there's no question with the front court, um, so it, you know, it's just a tremendous opportunity for those kids to just step up and make the most of the opportunity. Cause you know, without this injury, who knows if they would have gotten this chance. And so they may ultimately end up becoming a better team because of it. I mean, that's the only way that you have to look at it. I mean, it's the only way that you can look at it. And so, um, you know, we'll all be watching tomorrow night, you know, it's a big opportunity to, to get a, a gettable game against a team like that. Yeah. I- I'm going to move on to the next team. I, I just wanted to comment on one thing that you said, Greg. It'll it'll be interesting to watch. Willie Guy, Desmond McKinney, and Andrew Coleman all kind of played that role that Sam would have played in the game against Cal Poly. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It looks like it's at least a few more games with, without Sam. And so I, I it seems like Coleman will be the most likely person to step in there, but all three really have an opportunity. And, and here's the elephant in the room. There's probably not room for all three in the rotation consistently. Right. right. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know if it's a three for two or a one for three or what it is, but, um, you know, we'll see. All right. So on to the newest member of the Summit League, St. Thomas, lost their opener. Now, again, they're a former D3 team. So losing to Chicago State as a D1 team is a tough thing. But when you're a former D3 team, you know, it is still a D- Division One team. But then they come back and beat St. Francis in pretty handily. Um, I, I watched a good portion of the St. Francis game. I watched the Chicago State game on a replay, which usually means I catch part bits and pieces of it while I'm doing other things. And one thing that really did stand out to me, uh, Coach Tower, that offense, if the defenses don't come to play, 
they're going to put up some points because they, they they're a well coached team and they can shoot the ball and they they move it well. Uh, and then a really impressive move by Coach Tower when St. Francis was starting to beat him up down low. He went to a one-two-one zone, and then St. Francis just couldn't find shots, and they they kind of coasted after that. Uh, any thoughts on St. Thomas in their first couple games? Well, I think anything that St. Thomas is able to accomplish this year is a huge win, right? So I want to make sure I'm kind of framing this right, you know. Um, they're, what they're doing is completely unprecedented. There's no method of comparing them to anything that's out there. So, I mean, this is all just gravy if you, if you ask me. I mean, you know, and I think they have the perfect team to try to do this, right? They they have, you know, M- Miller, Nelson, and Bjorklund are, you know, three seniors who have played in a lot of games, who have won a lot of games. I mean, I, I think I ran the quick math. So they're about like 57 and 8 over the last three years, I believe. And of course that's only going seven and all last year. Um, right. You know, three of the eight losses to St. John's, but you know, who's keeping track of that, um, you know, and, but they're, I mean, they're just a, a tough team, man. Like, like you said, they're not going to give anybody any games, you know, you, you're probably going to be able to beat them, but they're going to shoot it. I think they shot 40% from three point line in the first game and then 45 from the second you know, so that's some major shooting right there. Um, and a number of guys can shoot. It's not just one person. So you're right. They're, they're definitely they're not going to go winless in the Summit League this year. There's no doubt about that. And so, you know, uh, nobody wants to be on the losing end of this just because obviously with the whole perception of their, uh, the fact that they're a Division three school. But the reality is they have a culture of winning. And that carries through. And, you know, before something can happen, you have to believe that it can happen. And there's no doubt about that they believe it. That's all they've known is winning. So why should this be any different? You know? Uh, even if confidence is irrational, sometimes it's important. And so um, it's going to be fun to watch them play. You know, like like he's, like I think you tweeted out, Todd. We have to get some clarification. It looks like they're basically sitting all their red shirt or all their transfers, um, which you know probably isn't a bad idea because they're not eligible for the postseason um, until was it's a five years, right? But they can play in the postseason tournament next year. How does that work, guys? It, it sounds like they're, from what I understand, they're gonna they're choosing not to play in the Summit League tournament this year, right? And then following years they will play, but they won't be able to be eligible for the NCAA tournament until year five, I think is how it goes. Yeah, we're gonna have to get some clarification on that because I wonder if they like what if they win? Like, I, I mean, what other, if you know? Has, I mean, like if you're playing, it's like you know, right. there's, there's there you know even a small chance it's like you know. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, love, love what they have going on. I mean, you could totally see it. You can see the situation brewing. Um, not going to happen this year, but sooner rather than later, it's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll just make the effort here. I'll, I'll have to unwind all the MIAC bias from, from Zach. And, and, <laughs> and, and so, I'm not denying I it. I give him a hard time about I'm that. not denying it. Yeah. No, but at the same time, they went in, you know, and, and, and manhandled them to be honest with you you know mm-hmm. to get their first d1 win i always say i know the population is is it, it's focused on the west coast it's focused on the east coast there's a lot of people that get over recruited on the east coast just because of population and when you look at less numbers out here in the midwest uh st thomas has still found a way to get good players as has st john's don't don't get me wrong i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna um, uh, you know, disrespect them. There are a lot of good basketball players in this area. And when you look at experience, you talk about that trio of seniors that you mentioned. Um, experience, th- there's no substitute for experience. And, and guys know how to play. If you have some size, you have some skill, you have some strength, you have some ability, they're going to be good. They're, they're going to be a formidable opponent, especially on their home floor. Uh, you talked about Coach Tower's offense, Todd their ability to space the floor, their ability to get guys the right shots at the right spots. That is always going to be difficult to pin. I don't care how athletic, how long, or or how talented you are. You still have to be able to communicate and effectively find a way to defend that. So uh, St. Thomas will make some noise. They will, they will mess up some people's uh, plans this season in the Summit League. And, and I think it's fantastic. I'm looking forward to it it's going to be a great challenge for every team in the summer league to go up against them, especially on their home floor. 
So from the team predict, and just one clarification, I did get a little bit on Kwasinski, the the transfer from Siena. It sounds like it's injury-related. Same with the Northwestern kid, Martinelli. Um, Courtney Brown, I have no idea what's going on. So I, I don't know what is happening with there because it's sort of a free year. So redshirting, I'm not sure if they, yeah, how that all works with this odd COVID years and all of that. But uh, just some clarification there. Yeah, I mean, it really wouldn't make sense to redshirt the transfers who are coming in with, say, like two years of eligibility left because they're never going to be able to play in the in the NCAA tournament anyway. Like if it right. if it came to that, you know what I mean? So you might as well just play. So, yeah, there must be something else going on there. Yep. All right, so from the team that's predicted to finish, at least in the preseason, at the bottom to the team predicted to finish at the top, South Dakota State. Uh, we didn't, I didn't have in the notes the game today, um, but uh, we might as well add it in because it happened now. Uh, but so two and one on the week, and and I would say in their one loss, they battled pretty hard against a, a potential Sweet 16 Elite, Elite Eight type team on the road. What do you guys think of South Dakota State? Uh, really impressive. Uh, knock off Bradley, um, lose a tough one at Alabama where they competed for the vast majority of that game and then go, then kind of win going away at Stephen F. Austin, a quality road win for a summer league team. Um, in case anybody was wondering, North Friedel is good. North Friedel <laughs> is back. And I am hoping and praying that every aspect of Noah Friedel, from his physical ability on the court, to every 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 other aspect of his life, I hope it's in order because this league deserves to watch a guy like this kid, like this young man play. Explosive, dynamic, um, just just a, a, as as impressive a player as, as this league has seen in a while. And and listen, I'm not taking anything away from some of the amazing names in this league that we've watched come through. Noah Friedel belongs in there. I just and, and, I, and the great thing about it is I don't think for a moment that Noah Friedel is going to set one foot on that floor unless Coach Eric Henderson believes that he is completely comfortable with where Noah Friedel is at. Um, how entertaining to watch. Uh, Baylor Shireman just goes out, routine, double-double. And, oh, by the way, I'll throw six assists in there as well. Um, and, and does it all in a manner where it's – you can watch that game and afterwards you go back and look at the at the – at the stat sheet and go, my gosh, I can't believe this guy put up those numbers. He yeah. does it in such a quiet, quiet manner and efficient manner and makes everybody else around him better. And we're talking about Douglas Wilson, um, Zach, and you made a great point off air. They've done it without Douglas Wilson being, you know, amazingly impactful statistically. And another guy, well, two other guys. I mean, this is why I texted you guys earlier. South Dakota State is so good offensively. They have so many weapons. Dentlinger, and, and Todd, you mentioned this, uh, just his presence. I, I, I think he's good defensively, and he's extremely efficient offensively. And then Arians is like the fifth guy we talk about, yet he <laughs> still, still makes plays and makes everybody around him better. South Dakota State is going to be so difficult to defend and, and, and they earned that preseason number one ranking without question, especially when I had a chance to watch them over the last two games, the Alabama game and the Stephen F. Austin game. Um, they're good. They're a great summit league team. Yeah. If you didn't pick them preseason number one in the conference, it's because there were still some question marks out there and they were the same question marks that kept them from the NCAA tournament last year. If those question marks weren't out there, Maybe the world doesn't know who Max A. Smith is, right? Probably not, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, obviously that's where I'm focusing on those question marks. Like like you had talked about, Craig, uh, they're cleared up. They are 100% locked in, ready to go. They are who we thought they were. And actually, they're probably a little bit better because now they have a – I mean, Apple, Winget, and Mayo coming off the bench. Yeah. That's just a fantastic group. Like, they're perfect to come off the bench. I mean, they just fit everything that they're trying to do so well. The roles are defined so well. And, and I guess I don't consider Fred Ella to be a bench player. I don't think he's going to be coming off the bench for very long. Um, but they, you know, all their roles are defined well. They know exactly how they're going to win. They know exactly what they need to do to play. They've all bought in 100%. I mean, we've talked about Matt Dettlinger probably sacrificing a little bit of his production for the better of the team. That's going on. 
I mean, they had Alabama. They they had a, a lead at half, uh, and it, they just kind of a little hiccup sort of the beginning part of the second half. Um, but just I thought they were I thought they were definitely the most impressive team in the Summit League through week one. I mean, Western Illinois is probably right behind them, but I mean, their two wins were fantastic. Yep. South Dakota yep. State. They're yeah, everything that we thought. How- yeah, I don't, I don't know how good if people know how good Stephen F. Austin is, and right. and Bradley Missouri Valley team they're they're a decent team, um, and so those are two impressive wins and they won them both going away. They yeah, really you watched the first half, yeah you watched that first half of that Alabama game. I mean they they handled them. It wasn't like they haven't even really shot very well yet, and they haven't and Douglas Wilson hasn't even I mean. He had a pretty nice first game. I think he had 20 points in the first game at, with Bradley. But then he had, I think, 12 at Bama, and he was in just deep follow trouble the whole game. Yeah. And then five, I think, at Stephen F. Austin. So, I mean, they're doing with this without the conference player of the year uh, from two years ago playing like that. I mean, what happens if he really starts to, to play? I mean, he, I think he's still trying to – I don't know if he's just trying to get in the rhythm of the game or what, but just, just a lot of fouls is kind of what's hurting him right now. Um but Apple's a good player off the bench too, man. Jeez, is he good to bring off the bench? A guy with that level of motor and just the aggressiveness that he plays in the post, man. He just he's gonna eat a lot of people up when they're tired and he comes in the game fresh. So but no, I just couldn't be more impressed by what they're doing. That that was really the eye opening thing for me of the week so far is just how good they are. I'll jump on that quick. Apple Apple looks really good. He looks he looks like a different player with his confidence level right now, which I think takes some pressure off Wilson, takes some pressure off Dentlinger. Um, he is that young man is playing with a different level of confidence. And, and uh, I think that just simply makes South Dakota State better. And, and we talked about it off air previously. South Dakota State's better than they were last year. And that's pretty scary for the rest of the league. No, I think a lot of these other teams, like when they're playing against these better schools who have bigger players and better athletes, the rest of this, the rest of the conference can really struggle to score. I think that was a big takeaway for me this week. There are a lot of teams that are going to struggle to score this year. Um, but even though, like, you know, the, the teams that South Dakota State's been playing, they're bigger and more athletic, they don't seem to have that same problem. Uh, you know, I think their ball movement's a little bit better. They're a little bit more balanced. They're a little better at shooting. And so, um, I don't expect SDSU to have the same type of scoring draws as a lot of these other teams may have throughout the course of the year. And here's the good news, Summit League fans. Everyone but Doug can return next year. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a uh, with, nightmare with this, for the rest of the Summit League, Todd. What are you talking I, about? That's not yeah, good news. I, I know. I was, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I don't know how many years of that makes – Matt Dentling, you're able to play, but uh, with all the COVID stuff and all of that, he is still listed as a junior. Um, and last point, and then we will move on to South Dakota. They're, they were up on my list on the notes, and I don't want to miss them, or we'll hear about it later. Um, but one last note, Zeke Mayo, I get this feeling, like the first half of last year, not everybody, the casual Summit League fans didn't know who Grant Nelson was. Um but then it was he he made it so you couldn't ignore him. Zeke Mayo's got a little bit of that special ability that uh, Grant Nelson has. Different type of player, obviously. One's six ten and one's six one or two or whatever. But uh, he's a, he's he's got some. He's electric. So. Yeah. I mean, you just throw you throw him out there, and he's totally comfortable. Yeah. Like skill wise, you know, the game's not moving too fast for him. All that stuff. Like day one, that's how you know he's a special player. You know, Paul Bruns is a little bit that way up at UND too, but. It's just amazing how these guys can come in straight out of high school and just fit in with the best teams in the conference right off the bat. You know how hard it is to turn minutes in that South Dakota State rotation, and he's doing that day one, and I don't think he's giving it up anytime soon. Right. Completely agree. Great observation on Mayo. Um, positive. Very, very positive addition for SDSU. Yep. All right, so on to South Dakota. Uh, they, they went from – whole bunch of excitement on the football field on Saturday to a pretty rough game on Sunday. Um, my one takeaway with South Dakota, uh, it's just they're still looking to figure out what to do without AJ and uh, Stanley on the offensive end. There's some good parts there, and they still defend really well. But, uh, yeah, looking to try to figure out some pieces to replace there. Um, I'm in agreement with you from that standpoint. Uh, 
you know, today's game, you know, we're, we're recording the podcast on Sunday. Today's game is Drake. It says much more about Drake than it is about USD. Good point. And, and, I mean, Drake is a really, really good, talented, well-coached team. I think they're going to be a contender in the Missouri Valley. Um, you know, USD, and I think we, can, we, we talked about this offline, and, and listeners might be shocked that Zach and Todd and I text on occasion, you know, when we're watching other games, and uh, <clears throat> where we go, you know, USD is kind of, they are what they were last year with a lot more experience, and then without AJ. Uh, we knew Amude, well, we kind of suspected Amude was going to move on, but without AJ. And so they have to take last year's pieces and kind of collectively find a way to, to improve production and, and improve their, their experience, their depth, their talent level. And I think, you know, coach Lee has always found a way to defend. Well, I think he'll find a way to continuously improve this team, but today's, you know, game against Drake, it, it was a drubbing by Drake at Drake by 49. And, uh, um, just don't sell USD short. They'll find a way to continuously get better and better. But I, I still think from a talent level, they're not at SDSU's level. I don't think they're at NDSU's, NDSU's level. And and I think we'll see how they compare with the, with the Oral Roberts, how they compare with the Western Illinois, things along those lines. But uh, this will be a valuable game, uh, not, not a fun game. It leaves a bad taste in the mouth for USD. Um, taking that beating down in, in, in Des Moines, but at the same time, um, very, very capable team. And, and we all saw that last year as they kind of elevated their level of play and got themselves playing their, their best basketball at the end of the season, even without AJ losing him late in the season. So uh, they're capable without question. They're, they're a team that if you don't, if you're not ready to play, that they'll stick it to you. So we'll see how it shakes out with, with USD. They, are, they kind of are what they are, um, you know, their depth, their experience. It'll be interesting to see how they play. A lot of their success is going to come down to can they shut people down defensively and then, and then can they do enough offensively just to put themselves in the game um, late in the game against quality opponents. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so they lost 40-some percent of their scoring last year and – you know, obviously you don't directly replace that, but it's not like they brought in somebody who's really going to be uh, generating a whole lot of offense. Um, so, you know, really it's just going to be a, a team approach, both on offense and defense. And, you know, last year they really had some nice complimentary players around AJ uh, and Stanley. And now they're looking for those guys to continue to take the next step. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a bit of a process. I think it's going to be one of those deals where if South Dakota state, if the winning score in a South Dakota state game, is in the fifties or sixties. I think South Dakota stands a pretty good chance. If it's in the seventies or eighties, I don't think they stand a good chance. So a lot of it is just going to be dictated on, on tempo and, and pace of play and style of game. They're really going to want to slow things down, be more deliberate and try to be more efficient that way because they probably just don't have the explosive scoring like they have in the years past. Yeah. And I don't want to forget, you know, air force is a lower level mountain West team, but they, they beat air force who went out and beat somebody. I don't remember who, but they beat somebody. There it is. Yeah. Tulsa. So, I mean that, and I think Zach, that goes to your point. Like they, they do. And I think what gets lost last year in the, in the stats of Stanley and AJ is the reason they, they were so good is the way they defended. Mm -hmm. And, and I, that still is there minus, I mean, I made a joke on Twitter that it looked like uh, that, like Drake was on the power play. On, especially on defense. Like it yeah. just looked like there were six guys out there. I couldn't believe how they, they, it didn't matter how you moved the ball. It didn't matter. And, and so that was going to be a rough one. And when it gets bad, sometimes it just keeps going. It, yeah. And so I, I, you don't want to go too far one way or the other. It's funny. Cause I had them before Sunday's game. I kind of put the teams in order and they were third or fourth in my list of teams to talk about. And then the Drake game happened and, and the recency bias goes in and you go, Oh, well, but yeah, I think that's the, the point is that they're going to come with the same defensive intensity and it's just going to take a little bit of time to figure out who fills some roles. It's neat to see a player like Hunter Goodrick, who you don't even remember because he, he was played pretty minimally a couple of years ago and then he took last year off He's he's a pretty decent piece um, in, inside for them and, and can help. 
USD will be a good, uh, sound summer league team without question. They will be a team that is capable of beating anybody on any given night. I, I will just go back to what I said earlier. Today's performance, Sunday's performance, was much more about how good Drake is right now. Mm-hmm. They're a really good team. Things snowballed, as you mentioned. And uh, don't read too much into it if you're a USD fan. Yeah, I mean, don't mistake the fact that we're saying their offense isn't necessarily going to be explosive um, or high-powered with the fact that they're not going to win basketball games, right? How many games has NDSU won in the 50s and 60s? They win a lot of basketball games. You can win a lot of basketball games that way. I think we just kind of have a better idea of what they are, and uh, it's probably going to be one of those where whenever they play, it's the first to 60. You know, is it going to be them or their opponents? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think they have a clear idea of, of that, too. So as long as you understand who you are and, and how you need to play to win, that's that's uh, ahead of the game for most teams at this point, really. So let's move on to a team that probably won't play many in the 50s and 60s. Uh, Oral Roberts, first half um, in their opener, looked pretty decent against a uh, – dang it, who did they play first game? My brain's forgetting. Colorado State. There we go, Colorado State. Another team, if you just look at the name, you might not think, but they're picked to to win their conference. They're a good team. Um, Played really well in the first half, and then it fell apart in the second half for them. And then in their second game, they played a non-D1 team, and I think we're winning 60-17 to at halftime. So um, what I will say, and then I'll let you guys jump in, it just feels like we're answering the same question about Oral Roberts every time. And that first half... You had Carlos jumping passes and making some plays, and then the second half, they they kind of just – it kind of looked like USD's second half did today. Um, it, it just seems with Oral Roberts it comes down to um, defense, and, and I know that's a broken record on here, but it's what it, what it felt like, um, uh, especially in that opener. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, to me, the, the opener is the only one to talk about, and to your point, Todd – you know, Colorado State shoots 59% from the floor and 46% from the three. And I'll rebound it over Roberts by nine, right? That's the danger that we've always said with them. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I was very curious to see how this was going to play out because Oral Roberts essentially isn't playing with the post, uh, even in their rotation. Right. They're really not even bringing one off the bench. I mean, maybe one eventually earns some time, but not really in that first game. And... But it was Colorado State's backcourt that got Oral Roberts. It wasn't even their front court. It's not like they were throwing the post and, you know, uh, they had Shang Weaver trying to guard the post and he couldn't or something like that. That wasn't what was happening. It was Colorado State's backcourt right. shooting that percentage. And so that that's just it, to me, it's a it's a huge red flag. I mean, we've seen the good Oral Roberts, we've seen the bad, and we know exactly what the difference is, and we saw the bad. So. We'll see. I mean, they get asked some tremendous opportunities with Oklahoma State and Tulsa coming into their own facility. Obviously, we know Tulsa's beatable. And obviously, we, we've seen Oklahoma State's beatable, too, earlier this year. So um, they have a tremendous opportunity to answer those questions and uh, hopefully enable us to stop talking about when things like that happen. Well, Zach, you threw out the numbers. 59%, 46% from three-point. I think that's what Oral Roberts did well enough last year is they kind of contained those numbers defensively, field goal percentage-wise, and, and allowed their offensive explosiveness to take over with guys like Aismas and, and O'Banner and then everybody else to fill in around them. Um, they, you know, w- without the offensive firepower, even though Aismas is still there, uh, amazing player, preseason player of the year, without question, he's going to be the focal point of every single defensive game plan in the summer league who else steps up and at the other end how do you connect with with with, with five guys and find a way to defend the three-point line five find a way to defend the the, the paint that's going to be the biggest challenge for coach mills and his group is is how do they find a way to keep themselves in games to allow somebody like Aismas and his ability to make everybody around him better offensively to win that game um it, those things don't even matter unless they can do things defensively well enough to keep the, to keep themselves in games. Uh, Nico Medved out of Colorado State has done a great job of, 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 of assembling some talent. Um, Todd, you mentioned it. 
preseason Mountain West, uh, you know, pick for t- to win the league. That that's a tough ask, without question. But Paul Mills is going to have to find a way to 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 not only elevate the level of his team offensively, but they've got to even to allow yourselves to win the game offensively. You still have to control the opposition defensively. That's always been a challenge when you had the dynamic duo of Aismas and O'Banner last year, along with everybody else, uh, they had some room for, for error this year. They don't have that room and, and they've got to find a way to become a much better defensive team. You know, it's interesting. Normally you'd call a team that doesn't really have a player with a post player, a small team. They're not really small. You know, Max Aismas is, you know, six foot six, one, maybe, but then outside of that, it's basically like three, six, six players, and then yeah. Shang Weaver, who's six eight, so they're not necessarily small, um, but they're just very different. Just a total positionless basketball, which is an interesting angle. It's an interesting angle. You know, you don't. I, I think there's a lot of merit in not wanting to play like everyone else in the conference. You know, and also they're their best players, right? So you're just partly doing this to get the best players on the floor. So it's going to be very interesting to watch it develop. I mean, obviously we're going to learn a lot about them in the in the next week or two here. Yeah, and I, I know sometimes and it's been mentioned to me before that it feels like we're overly harsh on Oral Roberts. Here's the thing. The teams that we're probably going to be more harsh on are North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and Oral Roberts because they're the we three most more. talented teams. I mean, Denver's yeah. going to win a couple games, and we're going to praise them up and down because it's a different situation. Like, it, it's a good thing to, to that, that the standard is higher. And I watched that team play defense for three games in the tournament – that I, I guess I want to see that again. And, and so that's a sign of respect. It's a sign of respect. I mean, they, we're not, you know, that's what they want too. I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff is approaching it the same way as well. Right. I, I will echo that Todd, you bring up a great point. I, I always said, and, and we always said this and, and Zach, you know, this is a player, former player. and Todd, you've observed this. The people that get, that will get challenged, the people that will get, you know, you, you better worry about yourself when we don't talk about you. Yeah. And, right. and, and that's the whole thing. We're going to challenge the most talented teams in the league. And I think that's what this podcast does. It's not criticism. It's challenging the most talented teams. And, and when you, when you stop being talked about, it means that you're really not a factor anymore. And, and I'm not saying this, this podcast doesn't think that everybody in this league doesn't have importance and value and, and, and things along those lines. But as the season progresses, and, and we're very early, very early, but South Dakota State, North Dakota State, and ORU were the top three without question in the league. We're going we're gonna to critique them, and we're going to challenge them, and we're going to say, hey, listen, are you guarding well enough? Are you effective offensively? as you should be things along those lines. Um, the, the thing you need to worry most about is when you're not being talked about. And right. so that's the way we look at it. And, and Paul Mills last year and his staff, along with his talent, they found a way to get to the sweet 16 yeah. and Todd and Zach and myself, we praised them. I mean, that, that was, that was an incredible run. And they were they were this close. They were a they were a sliver. You know, a, a Max Aismas, six out of ten. He makes that three shot away from me in, in the elite eight. So uh, we we get it. Listeners will always be critis- critical and and say, hey, why aren't you saying enough good things about us? If we're talking about your team, even if it's somewhat critical, it's because we think you guys deserve that attention. And and those are things that I think people need to understand is is when you stop being talked about that's when it's time to be concerned yeah we're looking at them through the filter of a of a conference champion right yeah we don't do that for every team but we do that for those top three teams because that's their goals and that's their expectations yeah and and to that point there we've got four teams left and 16 minutes left so i mean that's part of to that point like we're going to get through everybody because it's our goal for today but like mm-hmm. th- there's more to say for some than others and and th- for those that are that we're about to talk about that that's kind of the challenge is to to get that next wanted to hit real quick on denver so coach jeff Wolbrun 
you know, there's two non-D1s they split. Um, you got – Coach got his first Division One victory, so that's nice. Um, I, I did watch both games on, on the Denver um, stream, and the one thing I'll say is it's just nice to see they're, – they're, they're short on talent. That's why they were picked where they were in the conference. But the effort was there. Um, there, there's a little bit more intensity. It was good to see a team that, that it was pretty rough at the end of last year for Denver. So it was, hopefully the culture is changing. I know that's coach Wilburn's goal. Yeah. A bit of a process for them, you know, but, uh, you know, what's the cliche, a journey of a thousand steps starts with the first one. Well, they just took the first one and, uh, we get to watch, you know, a, a program grow up in front of our eyes. Yep. Great point. And that's that sometimes those are the most rewarding experiences for a coach is to say, we have no expectations. I'm going to, I'm going to believe in you guys 100%. Let's go out and find a way to improve every single week. Without a doubt, coach Wilburn and we'll find a way to do that with this Denver team. And they're going to be a scary team, especially late in the season when seedings are on the line. Are you ready to play Denver and not take them for granted? I have a feeling that coach Wilburn will, will crush some dreams late in the late in the summer league season. Yeah, yeah they don't have to worry about winning a game or two in the conference tournament yet. Just be a little bit better than they were yesterday and see where that takes you. Just yeah. do that every day. Yeah. Exactly. I mean it was to the point, you know, there's talk of going to Denver with the altitude and all of that last year. You know, going to altitude with a team playing at seventy five percent isn't very challenging. Right. Um but with a team going hard the whole way it's they they've got some okay pieces that that Tevin Smith the freshman he's going to be a good player, um and KJ Hunt who they brought in from Moorhead State like it's real clear they brought him in to be a leader and help develop the program from the player point of view, um so and all almost all of their uh, their transfers have eligibility for next year too so I, I think it's it's just like Zach like you said it's step by step for them this year. Uh, so, Zach, I wanted to go on to North Dakota. You were there for mm-hmm. the game. You called the game against Milwaukee. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll throw it over to you because you have definitely had – it was on Valley Sports North, which oddly for a Minnesota person, I've, I use streaming, so I don't have that channel. But uh, um, what did you see? Well, it was – you know, UND played hard, and they did the things that they needed to do. They just really struggled to finish. You know, Milwaukee was definitely bigger and more physical. Uh, I think UND was definitely better coached and in better shape. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things for UND where, you know, size and athleticism, it can get you, especially in the be- beginning part of the year, because you can't simulate it in practice, right? You don't know what it's like to finish against a 7-1 guy or guys with significantly more athleticism. You can only practice against who's on your roster, you know, and that's what I think, you know, in the second half, they started to shoot a little bit better. I think they finished the game at 29%. Uh, and that was with knocking down uh, a number of shots at the end of the game, really. I mean, they were they were down around 20% for the majority of the game. Um, their existing guys uh, didn't play very well. You know, Mitchell Sucre was in foul trouble for a good portion of it. Um, and in their backcourt, Caleb Nero and Bentu Panoam, there's no way around it. They have to play much, much better than, than what they did. I think they were combined like uh, – three for 23 something like that um yeah yeah like there's just no way around it they did a lot of really good things like it like i said i i'm not just saying you can tell they're well coached like they have good possessions would get really good shots and then just could not really make anything so i mean you know there's not a ton of adjustments to be made going into the next game this next game against uh montana that we have uh on midco tomorrow um is a much better matchup. You know, the physical profile of these teams are much more similar than than Milwaukee was. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Montana also had a really rough game today against uh, Mississippi State. And so, you know, um, they'll be – or actually, that was two days ago. So the, they'll be rolling in there, um, you know, probably not a ton of prep for UND. So it should be a much better game. But, um, you know, it's, it's very much like some of these other teams. They're going to struggle to score for probably the majority of the year, you know, when they score, it's going to be a team effort and, um, you know, they're going to win some games, but it is going to be a bit of a process for them. They have to get this, this, uh, lineup figured out and their rotation figured out. I think it's going to get trimmed a little bit. Uh, Paul Bruns was really good. 
really good. Let him in scoring. Um, he looked just very comfortable out there. He looked like the most comfortable guy out there, and it's his first collegiate game. He knows exactly what to do. I mean, apparently when you score 2,000 points in high school, you end up being a pretty good scorer and have that mentality and carries over to college. Brian Matthews played a pretty good game. He played more than I think Coach Taylor was wanting to play him. Um, but uh, Sotene and Suker were in foul trouble, and so the, the freshman got a good amount of playing time, and he did all right, you know. He played without fouling, and, um, you know, so there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of good things out of some of these transfers and newcomers. They just need more out of the guys that they brought back. I mean, they're, they're supposed to be the culture setters, and, you know, they, they just weren't quite there in game one. But, you know, we'll see where they're at in game two. Well, good points, uh, all of them, Zach. And, and I think, you know, the, the culture setters, sometimes they aren't going to be the production setters. And I mm-hmm. think that's the, that's the great thing about it is you talk about the guard play. Um, without question, I think they'll find a way to step up and, and improve. Uh, Paul Sather, this, this is a Paul Sather type situation. And, uh, you know, we know what we want to accomplish, but here are the guys that we need to put in the right place at the right times. Uh, they will learn so much from the Milwaukee loss. And I, I look forward to actually a really competitive game against Montana. And I think he'll utilize his personnel extremely well. And, and, and he'll do it in a manner that even if some of the minutes of those experienced players diminish, it's not going to diminish their importance from a leadership standpoint. And I think he's going to find a way to utilize some of the talent, uh, the new guys, and, and incorporate them into the system. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch how he develops his team over the course of the season. And so I agree with you. Uh, Milwaukee was probably not the ideal opponent for that first home game. But at the same time, uh, without question, he will find a way to utilize this to, to make his team better. And I think they're going, to be, they're going to be that type of team that throughout the course of the season, we all know this, you know, from watching Paul say their coach teams, uh, they're not fun to play late in the year. So going to be fun to watch even uh, one game into the season as Montana comes into play. Yeah, the thing about any policy of the coach team, they always get better throughout the course of the year. You know, part of it is execution. Part of it is knocking down shots. Part of it is perfecting the rotation, things like that. They always seem to get better. And like I said, this Montana team, they're definitely much more like a Summit League team than Milwaukee was in terms of just the physical profile. So this will be a much better litmus test for exactly where they're at and what they need to get better at going forward before the conference season starts. Yeah, we'll move on to Omaha. I'm just going to echo, if we would have pulled a podcast from early last year, we probably would have been saying some of the same things about North Dakota, and yet they find a way to be middle of the pack in the summit start yeah. to put things together at the, the, you know, two years ago made the run to the conference tournament championship game. It just seems like it, it just, just, there's just been a little bit of turnover turnover every year in the roster, which tends to lead to, you know, it's not done on paper. So, so it's really hard for us in this early season to go, Oh, well, they brought this guy who does this and this and this, but yet it just takes a while for that to gel. Yeah. Um, so Omaha, I, they played a non-D1 in the first one and then uh, played Ball State uh, yesterday and fell down 29 points and looked like it was going to be an outright disaster. And they fought back to down one and and then at the bu- basically at the buzzer had an open layup that the, the point guard Felix Lametti uh, missed that that uh, was contested, but it was open. And uh, so they couldn't quite compete, complete the comeback. Um, one thing to note with them, Wanyang Tut and uh, Lamel Robinson, two of their bigger pieces, have not played yet this season due to injury. Um, so they're starting with a lot of uh, kind of new faces or faces doing a little bit more. I know, Greg, you brought up Kyle Ludke, who had a pretty good game against Ball State and had not done much in previous seasons. Frankie Fiddler, a, a freshman who kind of like Paul Bruns and, uh, and uh, Tevin Smith in, in Denver, it just kind of looks like it's fun to see freshmen that that aren't afraid of the moment, and he's definitely in that in that mold as well. Well, you talked about it, Todd, and uh, to be down 29 and then have a wide open layup at the end right. to to flip and put that thing into overtime. I mean, that's uh, credit Darren Hansen and and Zach. You've touched on it, Todd. You've touched on it. Darren Hansen is that 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 calming influence as a head coach that says, 
we've got this. We can come back from this. We can do this. And and yesterday was a testament to that. And so they miss a wide open layup. But Lamel Robinson is electric. You know, we've yeah. watched him in the summer league last year. This guy is a different level of speed and explosion and, and his ability to ignite his team at times can't be understated. So um, when they get him back, that makes them better. And and I'll go back to our offline conversations, Todd and Zach, and and you said, boy, you know, poor guard play. And I said, you know, hey, poor guard play mean, means a poor season. Yeah. But Lamelo Robinson, we all know that he has the ability to elevate the level of guard play for Omaha. Uh, the fact that they were able to climb back from down 29, put themselves in a position to not only tie that game, but win that game speaks volumes about where they're at. So Omaha is not a team to sleep on in the league this year. We've always said that. And uh, when you talk about those two guys, Lamar Robinson and Tut, um, high-level talent in the Summit League, uh, it's going to be interesting to see when they get them back, what can they do. Yeah. Yeah, those two guys are hurt, no doubt about it. They're going to be a big part of this team. So, you know, take the results with a grain of salt. Um, you know, it's almost like that Ball State game is, is a perfect metaphor for just probably these last two years of Omaha basketball in that, you know, there's there's going to be times where they're going to struggle to score. Um, but, you know, the thing about Darren Hansen, like we've, like we've said, is when, you, when you're coaching for as long as he has on, on as many different levels as he has, there's nothing that you can throw at him that his team can throw at him or the opponent can throw at him that he hasn't seen before and he doesn't know what to do. So there's never a question of like what the team needs to do. It's just the process and getting everybody to buy in and going about it uh, to get to that point. So, you know, that's the thing about that, that program is, you know, they're going to eventually figure it out just like any program, you know, they've been hit hard by graduation and a couple transfers. That's not unusual. Every good program, even the good programs go through things like that. And then eventually they're back up where they should be. And so, um, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting just to kind of watch it all come together. Like, you know, it's going to come together. And so you're going to kind of see it coming. Um, but, uh, we just don't quite know how yet. Uh, and, and that's the fun of this, right? If we could see everything coming perfectly, we'd be named Darren Hansen. So, um, it, anyway, it, it's going to be fun to watch it. So, so on to the last team uh, and a team that definitely challenged themselves. I would say the majority of the summit, playing Minnesota and um, and Iowa in their first two games would probably go 0-2. Uh, Kansas City was – I actually went to that game at Minnesota. With six minutes left, they were right in that game, and then it fell apart. Um, and then Iowa was rough from the beginning, um, but Iowa's a, a high-level Big Ten team. Um, one, one of the things that I noted – well, two players. Josiah Alec is really good really really good player um if they can get some players back like Arkel Lamar and some some players that can contribute a little bit more on offense Josiah Alec he, he deserved the preseason accolades that he got he can shoot he's great down low he's he's a talented player and then Evan Gilliard the the their new point guard he got to the basket a lot he just didn't finish and he's so he's real quick um was beating big 10 guards pretty frequently off the dribble I think he'll be all right. I, th- I think once he settles down and they, and, and the only other thing I'll say about Kansas city is they still beat you up. So I was sitting by Minnesota fans at the Minnesota game and they're going, Oh my word, this team. I said, yeah, they're going to keep it close the whole way. And then it did fall apart at the end, but I wasn't surprised at all. It went for the first 34 minutes or whatever the way it did. Well, Kansas city will be a team that every team in the summer league will hate to play, especially late in the season. Yeah. Uh, they, they, you hit on, hit it on the head, Tom. They will mug you. They will, they will make you physically toughen up and say, "I've got to, I've got to catch this pass. I've got to make this pass. I've got to make this ball fake." Uh, they are, they, they are going to be relentless in getting after you. So, uh, Kansas City, hey, you know what? As a summer league team, yeah, we want to find a way to beat Big Ten teams here and there. So they have a Minnesota loss, who is right now in overtime with Princeton as we as we tape this podcast, and Iowa, who is is going to be right there in the Big Ten race. Uh, yeah, those aren't losses to be ashamed of. 
And uh, I, I still think they're going to be a type of team that you hate to see on your schedule just because of the way they guard, the physical nature in which they do it, and then the manner. Um, and, and I'll just I'll go off on a tangent. Brandon McKissick, who transferred from Kansas City, was a huge factor in Florida beating Florida State today. Yeah. I'm saying this too, on a Sunday in which Florida State had beaten them seven previous times. He, he went on a stretch where he was just a, a, a defensive, um, uh, I don't know, instigator and created a ton of opportunities for Florida, allowed them to win. That's the type of players that, that, that they have in Kansas City. And I think it's going to be a difficult test no matter what, especially down at their place when it comes to playing the Kansas City uh, team. And so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see how they impact the race this season. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that I would add is just, you know, we have to keep an eye on offensive efficiency a little bit. You know, it, they're just going to have to find their way into the 60s. It's very much like yeah. South Dakota. Good if point. they find their way into the 60s, maybe even the 70s, they're going to be very hard to beat. Right. Even at even in, even if they're scoring in the 50s and they're an unbelievable defensive team, they still may get beat. They're going to have to find their way into the 60s and 70s. So. You know, all stuff that'll probably come with a couple more games. And one other thing that you don't notice when you're watching on TV, or at least not as much, I don't know that we realize how much bigger these Big Ten teams are than a team like Kansas City. It it looked like an eighth grade team playing a fifth grade team just based on size. Like, I I don't even know how to describe it until I was there in, in the arena looking at it. And Josiah Alec. I mean, there, there were guards as tall as him, it felt like. And and so there's just so much more size on these Big Ten teams, which, of course, limits some of the things Kansas City can do with, with an already limited offensive team. Um, so not surprising to, to go against that much size and, and, and struggle that much. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Todd, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a huge takeaway for me this weekend, too. I mean, even that Milwaukee team, was so much bigger than UND and UND's probably yeah they're they're, they're going to be one of the smaller Summit League teams, but they were not just Milwaukee wasn't just bigger, they probably had thirty or forty pounds on UND at basically every position. Right. I mean it just and, and when you start with that type of physical profile, your margin of error is just huge. You know UND was doing everything right and just couldn't finish because. You know, Milwaukee was just in their way. You know, they brought a seven seven one guy off the bench, things like that. It's these guys are are huge. And and it's it's very true. When you start watching these games, the Summit League is definitely more alike than they are different. I know sometimes we can think that they're that they're very different when we only watch them play against each other, but when we watch them play in the other conferences, I mean, it's very true. The Summit League is um it's a very it's a smaller league. Uh it's maybe a tad light on athleticism. Um, but it is a very skilled league. I mean, these Summit League teams are more skilled than these other guys, but some of these other teams just have a bunch of volleyball players, and sometimes that works. You know, it's it's hard to, it's hard to get around consistently for the whole game. Well, great point, guys. But I will say this, and I just think it's timely. Uh, NDSU is unique this season. Yeah. You know, with their length and things like that, and it's timely when I say this. They're playing – UNLV on Monday night, Arizona on Tuesday night. This this NDSU team, even though between their experience and their inexperience, have length, size, girth, um, they're they're going to be a team that looks very much like UNLV. They're going to be a team that looks very mm-hmm. much like Arizona. I'm ecstatic uh, to 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 see what the results are. I don't know. Maybe they go 0 and 2, and that'll be disappointing. Um, Without question, but at the same time, this is this NDSU team is unique from that standpoint when you talk about uh, the physicality they bring to the floor. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, Monday and Tuesday. Have everybody tune into those games, see how they turn out. I'm disappointed that they're probably going to be played without Sam Griesel, who's a first-team All-Summer League guy who can facilitate and, and really make his teammates better. But let's see how everybody else steps up. So I agree with you. Um, there's a difference at times, and uh, this is one of the unique times that, that, that NDSU probably doesn't give that up. And so we'll see how it all shakes out. It's a beautiful time of the year, boys. 
Great games every single night. Dial up that ESPN Plus. Dial up that Midco Plus app every single night. Tune in and learn a little bit more. Yeah, it is really the great part. I mean, if people don't have, I mean, I don't get any money from ESPN for ESPN Plus, but that five bucks a month or whatever it is, I mean, you can catch a, a large percentage and every Midco game is on there. So um, I don't know. It, it fills up a lot of my time. And and we won't get through every team every week. It just will be impossible. We'll have to go with some of the stories that that hit that week. But I did want to make it through every every team this week, even if it meant we went a little bit over. Uh, I just thought it was the beginning of the season. I want to hit at least for a couple minutes on everybody. Um, and it is something we do try to to provide coverage of every, the entire summit. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll move on to next week. And uh, I'll send out the uh, watch the viewer's guide for everybody to pay attention and uh, – catch games as you go along and, and I'll send out a thing for questions and things like that. So, uh, and we'll help guide what we, what we talk about next week. So, so until then, gentlemen. Sounds good.